six ways to be continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask by starting, who of us would not want to be continuously filled with joy? I mean, that's an inner excitement and a gratitude because of the Lord. Who of us wouldn't want that? Also, to have a favorable outlook in the middle of unfavorable situations. That's God's joy. And who of us wouldn't want that continuous uh, reality to be so for us in our Christian walk? Who of us would not want a positive heart and a positive spirit, even though those around us may not be such? Who would not want to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit so that he would produce one aspect of his fruit in our lives, that being joy? And so today we're going to see in a passage, Acts 13, 38 to 52, six ways historically that the apostles were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit, because there's a timelessness to the truth here. Not only was the historic, uh, were the historic apostles continuously filled with joy, but so can we be if we will pattern our lives and our ministries and our expectations after those first century apostles. The verses I'm going to preach this morning are the verses which record part of the Apostle Paul's sermon that he preached deep into Gentile country. Remember, the story of the book of Acts is that the gospel message and the church's birth in Jerusalem have to emanate out from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the earth. And it to get from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the earth, there had to be a penetration of Gentile territory. And when Paul preached the sermon we're going to look at, he was in Gentile territory. He had moved out from Jerusalem and was doing what God wanted him to do where the Gentiles lived, where the Gentiles were raised, where the Gentiles worked. And that was in a place called Pisidian Antioch. And I want you to skip down to the end of Paul's sermon, verse 52 of chapter 13, to get the bottom line of the Apostle Paul's sermon in Pisidian Antioch. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about this morning. How can you and I, as believers in Christ, be continuously filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit from the Apostle's example in these verses, in this sermon, let's find out. Now, when it says the disciples in verse 52 were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, that is, it means everyone who had ever believed on Christ and who heard the sermon, the particular sermon, in the synagogue at Pisidian Antioch that particular day. That means the disciples included both the preacher, Paul, and his congregation on that occasion, which we read in verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city of Pisidian Antioch came together to hear the word of God. And the bottom line verse of this chapter reports happily that the disciples, followers of Christ, were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. How did that happen? How will that happen today? The first thing I want you to see when it comes to being continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit is share the gospel. If you want to be continuously filled with joy and the Holy Spirit, then share the way of salvation as a way of life with others who don't know Christ. 38 to 41. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that though this man is preached to you, 
the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses, verse 40. Beware, therefore, lest what you have been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Verse 41. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. If you want to be continuously filled with God's joy and with the Holy Spirit, then share the gospel. Wherever and whenever I share the gospel to an individual or to a group of individuals, whenever I do that, I have a heightened awareness of my need for the Holy Spirit to give me words and my need for the Holy Spirit to lead in that opportunity, to lead in the approach to the cross that I will make verbally, to lead in the circumstances even while I'm sharing my faith that the phone doesn't ring in the fellow's pocket, that we don't get interrupted. I have a heightened sense of awareness whenever I share the gospel that I need the Holy Spirit to control me and I need the Holy Spirit to control the situation. I may have shared the gospel thousands of times, and I don't say that to my credit, but to the God's credit. I may have shared the gospel thousands of times as a Christian and then as a pastor, but still, every single time I share the gospel, I'm aware of my acute need for the Holy Spirit to lead me. It was in Luke 12, verse 12, that we have this promise that by extension is for us today. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I bank on that when I share my faith. And also, whenever I give the gospel, I also have a deep-seated joy in my heart. I have a deep-seated joy when I share the gospel. I see it as a tremendously wonderful privilege to give the way of salvation to a person who is lost in sin and accept the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross and grace interpose, that person's going to hell. It gives me great joy to be used in some manner to share the gospel with lost people. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to share the gospel. Angels can't do it. The departed to heaven believers can't do it. But we can do it. It's a privilege and a responsibility. And so in my heart of hearts, whenever I share the gospel, there's a sense in which I know I'm doing the will of God. I know I'm doing something right. It was Eric Little in the movie Chariots of Fire. Remember him? The Olympic runner, the believer with strong commitment to Christ. He said to his sister Jenny, who was not sure that his athletic prowess was what he should develop. Eric Little said to her in that movie, I believe that God made me for a purpose, China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure, end of quote. When I share the gospel, I feel God's pleasure. And I trust that each of you do as well. Because God has made each of us who are believers for a purpose, to bring him glory. And that often entails us having pleasure in witnessing the gospel to lost people. 
And so to say it again, to be continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit, the first thing you must be about is sharing the gospel as much as you can. When was the last time you shared Christ with a lost person? When was the last time? I trust you don't have to look very far back to remember when God used you to share the gospel with a lost person. This is a new week, and you can make that lifestyle change with God's help for this new week. Could you make it your prayer that before you come together next Lord's Day to worship in this sanctuary, you will have shared the gospel at least once in the week? That would be a great prayer. Then look for the opportunity. In verse 41, it makes it clear that Paul was direct in calling for a response to the gospel. Verse 41, behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. He's saying, you, some of you aren't going to believe, but I call directly those of you who will believe to believe in Christ and be saved. We, as witnesses to the gospel, we similarly should be direct, direct in calling for a response in the person with whom we are sharing the gospel. My favorite way of doing it, after I share the gospel with a person, I ask by looking into their eyes with a pleasant look on my face, is there anything keeping you from transferring your trust to Christ alone for salvation right now? I'm direct. The Holy Spirit gives me boldness. When you share the gospel, don't forget to call the person to a change of mind, a repentance about whatever's keeping them from trusting Christ alone and ask them, is there anything keeping you from trusting Christ alone for your salvation? Be direct. Share the gospel. The second way, if you want to be continuously filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, the second way in this passage is to serve Christ with the grace of God. To serve Christ with the grace of God. I'll explain that in a moment. Verses 42 and 43. And so when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when... The congregation had broken up. Many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them, watch it, to continue in the grace of God. Let me say something. You cannot persuade anyone else to continue in the grace of God except you are living in the grace of God yourself. I can't teach you to speak Italian if I don't speak Italian. If you want someone to pursue and to walk in the grace of God, then you must be pursuing and walking in the grace of God. What does that look like? Well, I think it looks like not serving Christ out of duty only, but out of love. Not that we have to do such and such and so and so in the church as a ministry. Not that we have to do it, but we get to do it. There's a big difference. And it's easy, really, to tell a Christian who is ministering out of the more than enough grace of God, that person ministers not because they have to, as I've said, but because they get to. And that person never forgets that they need God's grace as much as the person they're sharing with needs God's grace. 
And the person who ministers out of the more than enough grace of God is the person that demonstrates God's favor in their message and in their manner. You know, with plenty of persons ministering out of more than enough grace, we are sure to have enough small group leaders. We are sure to have enough cross-trainer workers. We are sure to have enough youth group workers. We are sure to have enough deacons. We are sure to have enough volunteers to finish the renovations on the Earl Weech Auditorium. When we have enough believers in our assembly who are serving Christ out of his grace, we will have ample workers for everything we need to do. And so are you that kind of a servant of the Lord Jesus? Do you serve out of love? Do you serve out of humility? Do you serve out of a deep appreciation for God's grace to you in Christ so that you can tell others about God's grace to them in Christ? Do you serve because you get to versus because you got to? There's a certain lost person who refused to listen to one preacher but was more than willing to listen to another preacher. And when that person was asked why this was the case, they said, both tell me without Christ, I'm going to hell. But the one man is brokenhearted that I am. Be that man or that woman. A certain lost person would listen to one who would present the gospel because although the same message was given without Christ, you're going to hell, there's one way to say that in grace, which is, That's where I was headed before Christ, and I don't want you to go there because I love you. Operating out of God's grace will fill both you and those you minister to with joy and the Holy Spirit. Verse 43 again. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes, that's converts to Judaism, followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, watch, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. You can only persuade someone to continue in the grace of God if you yourself are in the grace of God. There's a third way to be continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit, and it is this, and it'll probably surprise you, because this is about as popular as mosquitoes at a garden party. The third way to be continuously filled with joy and the Holy Spirit is to experience opposition. To experience opposition. I see that in verses 44 to 47. On the next day, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. That was good. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. That was bad. And contradicting and blaspheming. That was bad. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. That was bad. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, that was good. It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles." So part of how Paul and Barnabas in Antioch, Pisidian, were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit was they faced opposition. People who didn't appreciate the gospel. People who didn't resonate with the cross of Christ. People who tried to shut them down, in fact, from talking about those things. 
and speaking for the Lord and being opposed for doing so are not mutually exclusive things. This is very important. This has to do with bearing your cross for Christ. It is not true that when you are opposed for sharing the gospel, you should stop doing it. Because being opposed to sharing the gospel can live together and often does live together with not quitting sharing the gospel. You say, how does that work? Well, let me give you some examples. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 and 2, listen. For you yourselves, Thessalonians, new brethren, that are coming to you is not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak the gospel to you. Watch it in much conflict. They arrived in Thessalonica. They had a rough ride in in, in Philippi and they were getting a rough ride in Thessalonica. They didn't fold up their apostolic bags and leave town. They endured suffering. They endured hardship. They endured conflict. Another example, Acts 5, 27 to 29. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name, Jesus' name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The opposition that they faced, even the legal ramifications of being Apostles with the gospel message didn't stop them from sharing their faith. They filled Jerusalem with the message, even though they've been taught by the officials, stop. You see, it's not mutually exclusive to be opposed, but to remain faithful in doing the work of an evangelist. Acts 14 The next chapter we're going to look at, verses 1 to 3. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of Jews and Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Okay, so those that oppose the gospel poisoned the minds of others' hearers of the gospel in Iconium, so they just left. I'm sure they just quit. No, they did not. They stayed there a long time, it says, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness of the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders be done at their hands. What I'm teaching you is that when we experience opposition for living for Christ, maybe it's in our husband and we're, he's not saved and we're a saved wife. Maybe it's our children calling us fanatics because we believe the Bible. Maybe it's your workplace where you've been told to shut up about Jesus in the lunchroom. It's not mutually exclusive that once you're opposed, you stop sharing your faith. No, these two can live together. There's ample examples in the New Testament where it did. Counterintuitive. You want to be filled with joy? Get opposed. You want to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Be opposed for serving God counterintuitive but truthful. I wonder why we get the idea that the first sign of opposition were to stop sharing the gospel. Because it's uncomfortable. Because it's risky. It's unpleasant. But the believer who does not quickly quit speaking for the Lord at the first hint of opposition is the believer who can expect to be full of joy and full of the Holy Spirit. 
How is it that a boat builder knows that he's built a seaworthy boat? The boat has to go out to the sea in a bad storm. How is a ship is safe in a harbor, but that's not why ships are built. And overcoming opposition and continuing to share the gospel brings joy. And it's connected with being controlled by the Holy Spirit. The fourth way that you and I can be continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit is to see persons being saved by God. To see persons being saved. Look at the apostolic example, verses 48 and 49. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many has been appointed to eternal life, believed. People got saved. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. I'm not a grandfather yet, but some of you are grandparents. And I've been told, I've heard, that grandchildren are a very special blessing for a number of reasons. But one of the ways that grandchildren are a blessing is they stir your heart to make you feel young again. I look forward to that if God wills it for me. In the same way, new converts to Christ invigorate the local church they plug into. New converts to Christ invigorate churches they become a part of because they ask great questions, because they have a strong appetite for the word of God and Christian fellowship, because they get excited about Bible truth, because they are burdened that people they don't know are separated from God like they once were. Jack Wurtson, who founded Word of Life Ministry, I had the privilege of being at Word of Life Bible Institute in Scroon Lake, New York, when Jack was still alive and very active. And Jack Wordson told us as students that he was so high on evangelizing because it regularly sharing the way of salvation boosts at least four things. If you want four things at least boosted in your Christian life, then be an evangelist. It boosts personal prayer. It boosts personal Bible study. It boosts personal giving. And it boosts personal fellowship. Because as you're sharing the gospel regularly, you realize, I need to pray more. You realize, I need to know the word of God better. You realize, I want to give financially to ministries that are sharing the gospel. And if you share your faith regularly, you realize what a precious thing it is to come together on a Lord's Day like today with others of like precious faith and fellowship, to share life together, to be encouraged, to go back into the world that needs Jesus Christ. There's a fifth way in the text to be continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And this one isn't mosquitoes at a garden party. This one is COVID on the drinking cups at the garden party. Be persecuted. If you want to be filled with joy and the Holy Spirit, understand that persecution will be a part of that. There's a difference between opposition and persecution. Persecution is opposition gone wild. Persecution threatens your life 
and your well-being, whereas opposition inconveniences and closes doors. Persecution is an extreme form of opposition. You can be opposed without being persecuted, but you can't be persecuted without being opposed. Paul felt opposed in verses 44 to 47. There was envy of his ministry. There was contradiction to his ministry. There was blasphemy. Those things were opposition, but they were mild. But also the apostle Paul felt persecuted. In verse 50, there was expulsion of him, and there were threats against his life. But either way, whether opposed or whether persecuted, he didn't quit. He didn't stop. He kept obeying the Lord. He pressed on in the strength of the Lord. And in so doing, he was continually filled with God's joy, and he was continually filled with God's Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you want that? Then copy Paul, even as Paul copied Christ. Christ was persecuted, and so was the Apostle Paul. Copy Paul, who in turn copied Christ. Press on in the strength of the Lord. So far, persecution hasn't come on to the shore of the Bahamas. But I personally think there's a Trojan horse in our country that is very prone to persecuting Christians. If persecution breaks out in the Bahamas, we will leave the minority of global Christians and we will join the majority of those in the universal body and bride of Christ around the world. Today, as I preach, more than 360 million Christians suffer high levels of persecution. That according to the Open Doors ministry. In 2022, globally, 2,110 Christian church buildings or Christian buildings were attacked. In 2022, 5,259 Christians were abducted. In 2022, 5,621 believers were murdered for their faith in Jesus Christ. And these are just the statistics that are known. We want to be filled with joy. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've seen from the true account that I'm preaching five ways that'll happen. Share the gospel. Serve Christ with the grace of God. Experience opposition. See persons get saved. Be persecuted. The sixth and the last way, at least in this passage, to be filled continuously with joy in the Holy Spirit is to move forward and keep evangelizing. Don't get stalled out. Don't retreat. Move forward. When you've experienced opposition, move forward and keep evangelizing. 
to any degree to which you suffer persecution, move forward and keep evangelizing. Verses 51 and 52, please. But relative to Pisidian Antioch, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Paul and Barnabas, remember, they're deep into Gentile country by the action of this chapter. And Paul has been preaching to the Gentiles, but the Jews who observed the preaching got angry and tried to stop it by poisoning the minds of the Gentiles. Text tells us that a good number of Gentiles rejoiced in verse 48, but the Jews sabotaged in verse 50. This was a very ironic switch around because traditionally Jews saw Gentiles as heathens. But in this case, the Jews were acting more like the heathens than were the believing Gentiles. A turnaround. Pastor John MacArthur notes in his study Bible on verse 51, shook off the dust from their feet. This is what he says. The Jews' antagonism toward the Gentiles extended to the unwillingness to even bring Gentile dust into Israel. The symbolism Paul and Barnabas' act gave is clear that they considered the Jews at Antioch no better than heathen. There could have been no stronger a condemnation. End of quote. Paul and Barnabas moved on from Antioch and Pisidia to go on to Iconium, but before they moved on, they visually condemned the Jews who rejected Christ in Antioch, Pisidian. You know, sometimes we must move forward from one place to go on to another place. And sometimes we should protest in the first location that we're leaving before we move forward to the next location. There was a battle before, just before I came to the Bahamas to be your pastor about number houses. And there was a referendum, I'm told. And the country very vigorously and unanimously voted against having number houses. But that referendum was totally disregarded. And there's number houses everywhere now. That issue, those Pastor Lee, Pastor Bethel, Lyle Bethel, Pastor Cedric Moss, and others stood against the numbers house vehemently. But that issue has passed. It's part of our fabric and culture now. We need to move on to the issues that's before us that still can be won. To stop and to stay the LGBTQ 1A2S agenda. Verses 51 and 52. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I won't go into a lot of details for obvious reasons, but the reason I moved from a ministry, a pastoral ministry in Pennsylvania was that there was a very hard time circumstantially 
I won't go into the details. But I knew it was time to move forward, to keep doing what God had called me to do. I didn't publicly protest what was going on behind closed doors in that church on purpose. I wanted to preserve the average person in the pew's ability to think well of the leaders of their church and the future of their church. So there is a time to move forward having protested, and there's another time to move forward and to withhold public protest for the good of the body and bride of Christ. Were it not for the rough ride I received in Pennsylvania, I would never have come here. God used the rough ride, the misunderstandings. I won't go into anything else. To move me from one place of ministry to this place of ministry. Sometimes God wants to move us on an issue, numbers houses, to the LGBTQ agenda must be stopped. Sometimes God moves us on from one church to another. Sometimes we should protest before we leave. Sometimes we shouldn't. God will show us what to do. But if we do protest, that protestation should not steal any of our joy. And that protestation shouldn't quench the Holy Spirit and his control of us at all times. So here, near the end of the sermon, maybe you're surprised. You're surprised about the six ways to be continually filled with joy in the Holy Spirit, namely to share the gospel and not to form a holy huddle and hoard the gospel to ourselves. Number two, to serve Christ with the grace of God, not viewing Christian service as a dry duty. Number three, experience opposition and not expecting a free pass and a parade whenever we stand for the Lord. Number four, see persons getting saved and not settling only for church growth by transfers from other churches or for being a spectator and not a player in the ministry of evangelism of Calvary Bible Church. Or five, dare I say it, be persecuted and not assuming that it's always out of God's will for you if you're persecuted. It's counterintuitive to welcome persecution, but Jesus said in Matthew 5.10 in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And number six, to be filled with joy continually and the Holy Spirit, move forward and keep evangelizing. Don't stall, don't stop sharing your faith because you've outworn your welcome with someone or a situation. Some of us will be surprised if we take a posture, I deserve to watch other Christians share their faith and serve with grace and be opposed and even persecuted, but not me. Some of us will be surprised at how joyous those who welcome these six things are around them. You know, I've been a pastor long enough that the fact is that some believers sing the wrong song. It's from the musical Oklahoma. 
And the chorus goes like this. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a wonderful feeling. Everything's going my way. Wrong song. The right song. And the song that reminds us that we're to be filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit no matter what is, am I a soldier of the cross? Listen to the words of this song. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? In the name, the precious name of him who died for me, through grace I'll win the promised crown, whatever my cross may be. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Since I must fight, I would reign if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Oh, may that be our song. Heavenly Father, thank you for this inspired text that reports how Barnabas and Saul were continuously filled with the Holy Spirit and joy. May we embrace all six of these aspects without doubting your love and goodness for us, without throwing ourselves pity parties, without being fearful and silent when there's even a forecast of opposition. Lord, we want to be filled continuously with your joy. And we will take our medicine even if it tastes bitter. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.